whether you're a liberal or a progressive, Democrat, Republican, Tea Party, whether you just don't care, whether you're a third-party person like Green, whatever you might be, stay with me. Really join in this conversation. Let's let's take an open-minded look at what exactly has been going on in our nation with the kneeling at football games and the president's uh, reaction to it. Colin Kaepernick has been kneeling for some time now. This started last year uh, because of the brutality that the police departments have been putting on the African-American community um, for a long time. This is, this, is, this, is, this is oppression that's been happening for decades, whether we realize it or not. Clearly, this many black people have stood up and said this is happening in their communities. The numbers do show that a lot more African-Americans are going to jail and prisons than are white people, even though white people are probably doing just as many crimes. I mean, I know in college I did some pretty heinous, ridiculous nonsense, and I should have been arrested way more than I was, and I was arrested a lot. Um, my point is that, uh, well, we're not to the point yet, but something that I want to stress first before you decide to turn this off because you just don't want to listen to this anymore, um, and that's fine. That, that's, you're allowed to have your own, your own choices. That's why we love this country so much, is that, and this is something that's been really bothering me about the, Neil, the Colin Kaepernick thing for quite some time, is that I'm not sure if it was the politicians or if it was the media who exactly decided to start making this kneeling that he's doing instead of being a protest against police brutality against the African-American community, community, why this has become an anti-American, anti-patriotic, and certainly what to me seems the most upsetting that people are calling this is an anti-military, anti-first response responders protest. That is not what this is about. And because your perception of what it's about makes you think that it's because of the military or because of the patriotism, then you're, I can't change your perception. Hopefully I'll be able to change your opinion or at least cause it to shake a little bit so that you start to think about this. But if you're thinking that this is an anti-military stance, then you're seeing it all wrong because they've come out and said that it's not about the military. They've come out and said that it's about police brutality towards black people. So that's what it's about. And because you see the flag as a symbol of our military or our first responders or just the, the country in general, and therefore you take it as, as a slight to the country and our first responders and our military, that's your perception of it. And the flag is a symbol. If the flag, all of a sudden, every American flag were to disappear right now, I know that's ridiculous, but just play with me in hypothetical world for a second. We're still the United States of America. We're still a really good country that tries our damnedest to give everybody equal rights and the pursuit of life, liberty, uh, and the pursuit of happiness. But there are people in this culture and in our society who do not believe that they are being granted their inalienable, inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yes, we're giving them life. Are we giving them liberty? Are we giving them the pursuit of happiness? Your perception of how the black culture is being treated, if you're not black and you're not in those areas that are being oppressed, is misguided. I don't know where you live. I don't know how the people in your neighborhood and in, in, in your community treat you. I don't know if there is a systemic racism or a, a cultural bigotry towards you, whether you're white or black or Asian, or Native American, or whatever culture you might be from. I don't know these things. And you don't know these things about what's going on in my community. And we definitely don't know what we don't know, which is that we have no clue how these black people feel they're being oppressed in their communities. 
Now, you saying that all of these football players are a bunch of rich, spoiled little brats and they should just shut up and play their, play their sport, when a lot of them come from very poor communities and they've risen up, but not everybody in their community has. And their people, when they go back to their communities and see them roll, you know, and they see these football players or basketball or baseball or football, or whatever sport they play, if they've got money and they go back to their communities that are, that are underprivileged and, and are lacking funds and are below the poverty line, and these people are saying, dude, you've got a microphone. Why aren't you standing up? Why aren't you, or kneeling? Why aren't you kneeling and saying something? about the way that we're being treated, about the lack of funding for our school systems, about the police brutality. These are neighborhoods that need a police presence because there is crime and there is drugs and there's a lot of negative influences going on. They need these policemen in their communities making sure that the law is being upheld. But the policemen do not have the right to interfere with normal everyday citizens' lives and, har and harass them and, and hurt them and, and do everything that you've seen. Even with these body cameras, these police officers are still doing asinine things. So I don't understand why this is about the military. I, I don't. If you're listening to the narrative being pushed out by the president or being pushed out by your politicians or being pushed out by the media, stop. Because that's not what this is about. Stop worrying about if they're disrespecting the flag when they kneel. And ask yourself, how much do I care about why they're kneeling? That's what we're supposed to be focused on. Now, the fact that everybody's talking about this is getting the movement out there, but still people are talking about the military and the first responders and disrespecting the flag and, and our country and everything that it stands for, rather than realizing that the reason why Colin Kaepernick kneeled in the first place was that because there are citizens out there who are being disrespected just as much as you think that he's disrespecting the, the flag. A lot of these people in these communities... They're, they're, when you look at a poor community, there's a disproportionate amount of them that end up going to the military versus a rich community. So a lot of these people have military experience. And so looking at this as if they're disrespecting the, the, the troops and they, they're, not, they're, they're not standing up and proudly honoring those that have fought for our freedom to be the country that we are is absolutely misguided. I mean, without disrespecting the troops whenever I say this, the last war that we were in that actually stopped us from losing the country that we are, that stopped us from having the freedoms that we so covet, was World War II. World War II, we fought a Nazi with concentration camps who was ready to annihilate anyone that he did not deem worthy, that he did not see as part of the master race. Since then, we've, we've gone into the Korean War. That didn't work out so well for us. Went into the Vietnam War. That really didn't work out so well for us. You know, we, had, we did the Gulf War. Yay, we did free Kuwait from Iraqi oppression. Then we went back into Iraq, caused a complete destabilization of that entire region that we're paying for now with, with groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda rising up. There has not been a war where the American way of life has been threatened since World War II. So to sit here and say that these guys do not care about our military, when most of us have asked, if, we, if you were really asked and you were really ready to answer honestly, if you were asked, do you support the war or do you support the troops? You're going to side with supporting the troops way more than you're going to support this war. Because most of us don't even understand why the hell it's happening anymore. 
other than the fact that it's 17 years of just a big money pit. And if we leave, it, the whole region completely goes destabilized. It's the same thing that happened with Afghanistan when we helped them defeat the Russians. We walked away and left them with all these crazy-ass weapons. Then the USSR fell, and yippee! Now all of a sudden, there's all these different countries that were once part of the USSR that have all this technology and all these weapons in it. And where do you think those things ultimately got funneled? Into the Middle East, into all their conflicts. So this is not about the military. This is about black people feeling like they're being oppressed by police officers in their communities. And you got to look at the broken window theory where the, the police decided, you know, if there's a broken window in the community, it starts to go down. You know, the disproportionate amount of blacks who go to jail for drug offenses than whites, even though, you know, there's plenty of whites who are into cocaine, but the black people are into crack, so let's send them all to prison. I mean, there's, there's, there's numbers out here that back up the fact that the African-American populace has not been treated correctly for decades, centuries. So stop thinking that this is about the military and start caring about why they're kneeling. Something else I wrote in my, in my, in my notes, obviously, be upset about why, you know, be upset about why they are upset enough to kneel. Okay, I can't change your perspective, but I'm hoping that I can just shake your opinion a little bit and you stop seeing this as a military exercise and more about one, about them feeling oppressed. This is no more, no more about our military and our troops and our country than it was when the, when the Olympians raised their, their fists up with the black gloves back in the Olympics in the 60s. All right, that was not a stance against American military. It was a stance against the American way of life that just chooses to ignore certain parts about itself because there there's shame there is shame and you know there is shame all right race issues are a hot button topic when people have to start discussing race then they ultimately have to start looking inside themselves and asking themselves the question of how they really believe and this starts to shake them at their core and when people are shaken at their core this does not come from a place of comfort it comes from a place of anxiety and anxiety will trend towards hostility and violence if left with unchecked and without having a proper, equal conversation. I got on here in my notes as well that the Black Lives Matter turned in, you know, a lot of people started saying, well, all lives matter. The black people never said that other people's lives didn't matter. They just said that theirs mattered. This, this, is, this is their, this, this is this is their demonstration. Demonstrations aren't supposed to make the people they're against comfortable. It's supposed to make you question the way that you see things and whether you're going to continue to tolerate the way these things are being done in your country. It's just beyond me that people, white people, are unable to see that there is a certain white privilege that we have been blessed with. I remember when I was younger, I remember very clearly, uh, I think it was right around the, the around when Pearl Jam came out. Uh, I'm going to Google this real fast and try to continue with the con continuity of this uh, podcast. But I remember my mother saying something to me about how I had won the, the lottery. Um, straight white male. I'm pretty sure it's called SWM. WM, white male American. Yeah, so there's a song. I thought it was SWM for straight white male um, but it's white male American. And I remember when this song came out, me and my mom loved Pearl Jam together. Could not stop listening to it. And I remember her telling me, you know, because it, it's, you know, the song starts off with he won the lottery when he was born. I was, I won the lottery when I was born because I am a white male American. Top it off, I'm also straight. 
top it off, I was born into a, you know what was at the time a lower class family that rose up to middle class, and I've enjoyed that lifestyle my entire life. You know when I when my mom told me that I didn't take it as her was being racist against other people. I, I took it as her making sure that I was awoke enough to realize that I'm not going to have to deal with a lot of the oppressions and and a lot of the problems that other people have to deal with in this country. Now. She never once said, you know, this is white privilege, but now with that term being so popularized, it's definitely something that I would have, I could have seen her putting in her speech. But what she told me that I had won the lottery, she told me that it was my duty, that it, it wasn't my right, it, it, it wasn't, it was my duty to stand up for those who are not being given the same kind of rights that I am. To stand up for those that are being oppressed, to stand up for those that are being bullied, for the, stand up to those that are being hurt. You know, I remember her telling me this kind of stuff when I was even younger and I was in grade school and I'd get bullied. I remember in third grade, I would sit with this kid named Scott and I don't remember what what his mental challenge was because um, I was young and it's been a long time. But I remember he, you could tell, his head had a much bigger head than anybody else and he sat there and he did this little thing with his fingers. If you could see mine right now, it's like his thumbs are touching and then the rest of his fingers are just sitting there like playing with themselves like slapping like a little finger slap fight and he'd rock back and forth he, he and I both loved the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams song and we, so we'd sit there and sing it during lunch and people did not think we were cool and I always remember going home and telling my mom about this, this this young boy and she was just like it's really you know it's nice of you to befriend him and I'm like well I'm new in school and nobody really wants to be my friend and she's like if you when you do make other friends don't stop being a friend with him just because he no longer fits the coolness or he no longer fits the group that you join. I was friends with that kid all the way until we moved away from that school in fifth grade, even though I did make other friends and I did have things to go do with other people. My point of telling you that story is that at a very young age, I realized that people were different than me. I didn't even learn what the Ku Klux Klan really was until I was in sixth grade. I knew a kid named Jason Harara. Um, I think he was Japanese-Hispanic because... What I remember from him, his features were very Japanese, um, but also Hispanic. Uh, I don't know. I was in sixth grade, guys. What do you expect? It wasn't like I was taking freaking pictures of the kid. I'm just my brain is just trying to remember it. But I just remember we were sitting on a bench, and he used to come over to my house um, and play pro wrestler on the Nintendo. And um, I remember we were sitting on a bench and had KKK inscribed onto the bench seats, and. I was like, oh, look, Ken Corn Karn, because that was the name of one of the characters in pro wrestling. And he just laughs, and he goes, no, that stands for KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. And I was like, oh, oh what is that again? Um, again, I'm sort of just uh, paraphrasing this conversation because I didn't write it down. Uh, and, of course, he told me, you know, it's, it's a group of white people who dress up in, in hooded outfits and oppress black people and, and people of other races and, I performed violent acts upon them. I'm sure he probably said it less eloquently than that. Um, and I remember going home, and I remember going to the library, and I remember talking to my mom about it. I remember getting some books, and you know, she talked to me about it. And that was the first time, sixth grade, that I can really remember knowing what a, a big group of racist people was. You know, I went from this tiny little friendly grade school to this very integrated um, urban uh, middle school, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Um, in my previous schools, I don't remember there being a lot of black people. Um, I don't remember if there's any other races, but you know, I, I just don't remember. But I remember going there, and all of a sudden, like there was fights in the hallways. 
and kids were getting picked on, but you weren't in the same class all day long and you didn't have a desk with your name on it like I did at, uh, at Mary Castle Elementary. You know, instead I went, ended up at Craig Middle School with a lot of people of a lot of different races and I saw kids getting their asses whipped before school. Um, and it was just totally different for me and I didn't even really know what the race wars or the race battles were. Um, but I just, I just remember going home and talking to my mom and her just being like, you know, none of these people are, are any better or any, or any worse than you. You know, they're all just kids and they're all just trying to figure out their place and you're going to see a lot of things that you're just not expecting. She's like, just walk down the hallways with your head up because if you don't have your head up and you have it down, people are going to think they can take advantage of you and you're going to get bullied and you're going to get picked on. And I remember the next day or shortly thereafter, again, I'm just trying to remember this the way it, way it played out. I remember walking down the hallway, and I decided, okay, I, you know, I used to look down. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up this time. And I remember I was looking up, and this kid who was clearly in eighth grade is getting ready to pass me in the hallway, and he kicks one of my feet out from underneath me so that I stumble forward. And I was just trying to look up, you know, and maybe if I'd have been looking down, he would have thought I wasn't so uppity. But it was clearly I was younger than him. I don't know what his, I don't know what his process was, but it happened to be a teacher standing in the hallway, and a teacher immediately grabbed him and was like, "That's it. You're going down to the office." And I just remember that little that little change right there. That teacher coming, standing at the doorway, watching the hallways to make sure nothing went wrong. Saw that kid do that to me, stood up for me, grabbed that student, and took him down to the office. And I, that showed me right then and there if I if I put my head up, and and I and I'm confident, and I and I and I take my claim in this world, that people will be willing to back me up because I'm willing to stand up for myself. And had that teacher let me let that happen, and I kept walking forward. I don't know. Maybe I'd have just been like, yeah, I looked up and some kid tripped me, but you know what? I'm still looking up. Or I could have seen it the other way. I looked up and that kid tripped me. I'm just going to always look down. So hopefully I just no one ever notices me. But it's those little things when you're young that have such a huge impact on you. So now let's go back to the kneeling and, and, the, and the Black Black Lives Matter in this whole issue. If you're a young person and you see the, the older black people in your neighborhood being harassed by the cops, now if they're doing something illegal – and then it would make sense to you, and you say, okay, well, you know, don't deal drugs on the street, or don't drive like your car violently, or whatever the illegal act was. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that's all it always is. Just don't go in that, don't go there. Uh, but what I'm just trying to say is, you know, if you live in one of these poor communities, and you're out on the streets, and you see everybody else on the streets, and you see black people being harassed by cops when they didn't do anything wrong, and they have no intention of doing anything wrong, then you're going to immediately start to see cops as a negative influence in your community. If you start seeing young fathers and fathers in general going to jail for things that you think are way blown out of proportion, you're going to start to not trust cops. If you go home and there's no father there anymore and, you're, and everybody in your family says, you know, well, he got arrested and he went to jail and he didn't even really do anything that bad or he didn't do anything at all, you're going to start not trusting cops. And when, I, when a teacher stands up for me when, I, when all I want to do is put my head up, it has a huge impact on me. Imagine the kind of impact watching cops harass your community is going to have on somebody young. And then as they get older and they start to realize that their schools are underfunded and that they don't have the same kind of job opportunities as other people in the community and their family can't you know, afford a car so they have to bus, take city buses an hour or so away to find a, a decent job and you know it's difficult to keep that job because the, the job's so far away. And I see people in Los Angeles taking two hours of the buses to get to one of the places I work at. That's four hours round trip, guys. You know, it's like there's not jobs in their communities, and that's and I get that. You cannot guarantee somebody a job in their community. You just can't do it. 
just no more no more than you can you can guarantee somebody a job in rural Kentucky or rural Virginia when the coal used to be there. Sometimes you have to move if the jobs move, or if the jobs get automated, or if the factories shut down. You can't just expect people to make companies open up factories in your community so you have a job. You got to figure it out. You know, and I say that towards the you know towards the white rural communities as much as I say that to the to the black urban communities. You've got to figure it out. But if in your process of trying to figure it out, not only are you trying to sidestep the gangs or sidestep the violence in your own home, but you're also trying to sidestep the authoritarian rule that the police are putting down in your neighborhood. I mean, that's a lot of stuff you're trying to sidestep. It's not going to be easy to make it out of that community in one piece or with a really positive prospect of a future if you're constantly trying to sidestep the very authority that's supposed to be protecting you. And so when Colin Kaepernick decides that he wants to kneel down because black lives do matter and they're being killed in New York City and East St. Louis and all these other communities, be mad about the fact that he has to do that. Be mad about the fact that the flag you're upset that these people are disrespecting is also the same flag that black people went and fought under in World War II just to come back to a country that made them drink out of, of different water fountains and enter into establishments through different doors who wouldn't let people sit with white people at diners or in movie theaters. Be mad about that. Be furious about that. That since the Civil War ended, we have done nothing but try to fight the integration of the African American community into our society. And I came across a really great video, and I, did, I thought I was going to be able to get into the Rolling Stone article, and I'm way off, I'm way off now, and I'll just have to do that at a different time. Um, but this is just something I'm very passionate about because I really do, just really do with all my heart feel like we have not given a lot of different races and religions and whatnot the right shake and the right kind of love in, this, in our country. And I'm trying to find this video I came across yesterday about... Um, it was, it's called The History of Racist Democrat Party in Under 12 Minutes by Billy Whittle. Now, I'll end on this because there's only so long I can talk about this, and this has really just been an opinion piece, and I don't even know how many of you guys have got to this point, but hopefully you have. And let me tell you about this. This dude named Billy Whittle um, did a video, well, somebody posted on video, called The History of Racist Democrat Party in Under 12 Minutes. Now, aside from the fact that he is a conservative and, and says a lot of this stuff in a very smug, ha-ha, look what you guys are really made of kind of way. Everything he says is absolutely true, that the Republicans were actually the, the pro-black movement in the 1800s, and that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican, and that the, the Democrats were the ones who were fighting for slavery to stay in place. And they were the ones with the Jim Crow laws, and they were the ones oppressing in the, in the, in the early 1900s, in the 1920s, 1930s. They were the ones who started the Ku Klux Klan. All of this stuff is true. It's all true. Even, even the part where he says that Lyndon Baines Johnson um, has a quote saying something like, I'm going to get these N-words to vote Democrat for the next 200 years. He said that. There's the quote, and he didn't use the he didn't say n word. He went full on with the word, guys, and he said this where people could hear him and quote him saying this. And yes, this Billy Whittle guy says after that the Democrats started doing government handouts and the welfare program and stuff of that nature, and that's why they always get the black vote. Look, I don't think for a moment that a majority of the people on welfare want to stay on welfare. 
everybody would love to be able to get a job where they made a ton of money and were able to buy new cars and were able to have a nice home. You're thinking that somebody is happy that they live below the poverty line on welfare, but they have to work less hard than other people is asinine. There's a bad apples in every single bunch. So yes, there are going to be people who say, sweet, I figured out a way to get free money. I'm just going to keep partying and doing drugs or doing whatever I want to do, and I'm not going to work. But you know what? There's just as many fucking uber crazy rich people out there who are figuring out ways to cheat the system to, so they don't have to pay any taxes when they're out there making crazy loot. You know, and they're involved in things that are just as shady or underhanded that are costing the American citizens just way more than some people trying to cheat welfare. It's not like these people are making thousands of do- thousands and thousands of dollars a month, guys. Okay, <laughs> people aren't making forty, fifty thousand dollars a year on welfare. Uh, not to my knowledge, I don't know. Maybe you get more for kids. So you have to have six, six or seven kids, but then you're spending way more than fifty thousand dollars. So these people, to think that you know that. The black people are voting for the Democrats because of the welfare system and the handouts is ridiculous. But at the same time, the Democratic Party does have to be changed. The Democratic Party is no better, in my eyes, as the Republican Party. There's the facade that they care about the little people, but in California, they're still voting against Medicare for all. They're spiking things that didn't even need the GOP's uh, agreements on. You know, the, the Democrats are just as much in, in the pockets of Monsanto and everyone and the healthcare. And they like building the military up just as much as the Republicans do. So this isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. You know, there, there's those people who think that everything should go. They want things to go back to the way they were. There's the old school and there's the new school. You know, and the new school, old school is all is old school because it's old school. You can never go back and get that back. Once the genie's out of the bottle, it cannot be undone. Once the internet was invented, you were never going to be able to have the 1950s again. One, you know, once. Once uh, b- businesses were allowed to move their move their whole company infrastructure overseas, so they could have cheaper employees, you were not going to be able to get those people back in, like the, you know, like 1920s and 30s when every business and made in, you know made in the USA was big, really big in the 80s. Where the hell is people saying that now? You want your jobs back? You want your textile? You want your manufacturing? You want all those jobs back? Stop buying products that are made overseas from companies that moved overseas, so they could have cheaper labor. Oh, but you got a cheaper iPhone, or oh, you got a cheaper this, that, or the other, so you'll keep making things made in China. Well, that's where your job went. Keep buying furniture from Ikea. That's where your job went. So the Democratic Party's wrong. The Republican Party's wrong. I am, I, I, I am, I, I voted Democrat most of my life, but I do not see myself as a, as a, as a complete Democrat. I have some Republican views as much as I have Democrat views. I'm just progressive. I believe everybody deserves a fair shake in life. And instead of spending seven hundred bazillion dollars on the military, maybe we should be taking that money and putting it back into our infrastructure and actually providing these jobs. Most of these infrastructure jobs would take decades to build through. You're talking about a generation's worth of jobs. And stop being pissed off that somebody's kneeling and start being pissed off about why they have to kneel. I don't expect most people to have made it to the end of this. And what happened yesterday was really great to see so many people locking arms and things of that nature, but they just finally did it when the president stood up because now there's a common enemy. And people should have been kneeling in, 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 from the get-go. And Colin Kaepernick, maybe he can't get a job, maybe he doesn't want the job, maybe he wants more money. Whatever it is, he's not in the NFL anymore, and there's tons of other people kneeling, and maybe everybody's pissed off at him. All the owners are mad at him for starting this. But whenever celebrities and athletes and musicians don't stand up, People will say, why aren't you standing up? You have a microphone. So many people will listen to you. And whenever they do stand up, and if if people don't agree with what they're standing up for, then they say, shut up and just do your job. So it's a lose-lose. 
When these people aren't just athletes, they're normal people who had beliefs and had things they were passionate about from the very get-go. And if Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for animal rights or for children, for hungry children in America, people would not be this upset. But because it's for black rights and because it's about black communities, then you've got these people who are white who are standing on the sideline out here in the middle of la-la land, not even realizing what's going on inside some of these communities, just saying, well, they're just complaining. They're all on welfare. They're not trying hard enough. And these are the same ones in these rural communities that are asking the government to provide them jobs. And they're on government assistance, and they're on welfare, and they're, and they're, and they're getting handouts from, the, from the, the taxpayers because there's not jobs in their communities. And no one's saying anything about that. So when it's all said and done, you know, there are clearly issues in this country, and we need to start actually making progressive changes so that everyone feels included. I can't change your perspective any more than you can change mine. Where you are at, what you see when you're standing there, that is your perspective. I cannot change that. I can try to get you to change your opinion on the way things are being played out. I'm not anti-Trump. I'm anti-ignorance, and I'm anti-hate, and I'm, and I'm anti-rhetoric. Just saying stuff to get people to clap so that you can feel proud of yourself. These people are not kneeling because they don't believe in the military. They're kneeling because they don't believe in their, their government to help them. They're kneeling because they want the rest of the country to know, those of us who've got this privilege that we just don't even realize we have, that there's a lot of people out there that are struggling. And all they want is our empathy and some encouragement. And for us to stand next to them or kneel next to them and go up to the politicians and go up to our, our city and our state governments and say, look, this cannot continue to happen. Wait, what kind of retraining do we need? What do we need to do to make it so that these people feel like they're part of the community and not ostracized? Stop living in scarcity mode, people. Start living in abundance mode. Stop being afraid that if the black community rises, that somehow you'll find yourself out of a job. There is enough for all of us to succeed, for all of us to be happy, and for all of us to be healthy and wealthy and wise. So stop living in the scarcity mode that if your neighbor gets something new, you, go, you can't get that same thing new. Stop living in that world where if somebody has, that means that you have not. And start living in that world where we reach out a hand to help others in need. Not just whenever Houston gets flooded and not just when Florida gets destroyed, but that we're willing to help all of those communities. And you see the kind of outreach these hurricanes cause people to have? Now imagine if we had that same kind of outreach to Detroit or East St. Louis, these communities that are just struggling and have been now for decades. Imagine if we went in there with $250 million. Imagine if we went in there with the same kind of compassion and the same kind of want to help. Imagine the kind of change we could make. You're not going to get people to stop kneeling because you're yelling at them. You yelling at them just proves to them why they should be kneeling. Cultivating curiosity through compelling conversation. You know how to find me. I just hope that everybody listens, if not to me, to somebody else, and just open your mind. Stop seeing this from your perspective and, and be willing to stand in somebody else's shoes. There are plenty of military people out there that, are, that, that would kneel beside Colin Kaepernick and co. Just as many as there's, there's just as, I'm sure there's just as many that would say to me, why don't you see it from my shoes? I went and fought and, and died. Well, they wouldn't say they fought and died. My father fought and died for this country in World War II, and then kneeling disrespects the flag, which disrespects him. That's not true at all. 
if that's your perspective, and so I will respect it. I will just ask that you see it from a different angle. No one in their right mind would disrespect somebody who has died in a war in, uh, in the name of this country. They just wouldn't. That, that's, you know, even a, even a pacifist would have to say, you know, that person didn't, the person only went to, to war because our government wanted to go to war. And so it's the government's fault. They'd be mad at them. Even a pacifist could understand that for a lot of these people, the military was their only way out of their community. And then they went off and gave the biggest sacrifice. But kneeling during the Star-Spangled Banner in protest of the way your community is getting treated is not disrespecting the way that somebody else served. But there's going to be a lot of people who I just won't be able to change their minds on that one. But I hope I've cultivated your curiosity through this compelling monologue. It wasn't much of a conversation. But you guys can leave comments. Uh, please do. And uh, bless you. And you know, take care of one another. And as always, safe journey.